The Morning Blend, a triple shot of Catholicism, conversation, and coffee. David and Brenda start your day with a fresh cup of joy and inspiration, whether it's through interviews, news, music, or prayer. It's all viewed through a Catholic lens. It's The Morning Blend on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. Thursday morning to you, June 7th, 7 a.m. David and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you for being our friend on this National Best Friend Day. Aww. Isn't that nice? That is a fantastic day. <laughs> That's a wonderful day. I love that song. That's Toy Story, right? Right. Yeah, you Those... got a friend in me. Oh, I have I have many best friends. Yeah, do you? I do. I have, very, I have a few. I wouldn't say many. I'd, I'd say yeah. there's a group of, um, oh, four couples. Yeah. We're, we're tight. And you know what the thing is that brought us all together? Kids and faith. Yeah, yeah. All of our kids grew up together. They, we all have kids the same age, and we all went to St. Joe's. Oh, there you go. That's and, very it's nice. fantastic. Now, several of them have yeah. moved away. Still friends. Very nice. I love it. But. Yeah. My best, best friend. Yeah. I married him. Yeah. See, there you go. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I hope she's listening so I scored some points right there. <laughs> she might make you a nice dinner tonight. <laughs> That's right. But it's interesting that you say that because there was a Pew Research poll, and they were talking to teens. And so 98% of teens say they have one or more close friends. 78% of teens say that they have one to five close friends. As you get older, it's, it, it tends to... It tends to come down a little. Come, comes down a little. Okay. Yeah, just, I, I think because, you know, when you're in school, you have a lot more people around you. Sure. Those sorts of things, and that's just the way life evolves. But it, it is interesting when you think about that and how times have changed. And I even think about that, too, as we've gotten older, you know, do you get together with as many people as you once did? And, you know, people go their different ways. People move. You know the story. So, but yeah, it is interesting. Uh, if I think back, and, and I'm trying to remember, because when we talked about this a little bit yesterday, I think that the longest, though, friend that I have yeah. and, and uh, you know, that I'm still in contact with, we'll say, I met her when I was in the second grade. Really? Yeah. Wow. And then uh, we grew up together. We didn't go to the same school, but we had mm-hmm. like dance class together again in the same church. Right. And she was eventually my maid of honor, ended up moving and raising a family up near uh, Olympia. Oh, okay. Not so too not far. Not too far away. Yeah. We don't keep in as constant contact like we did when we were younger, but right. still in the friend group for sure. And so yeah. I think that she might be my my longest friend, almost 50 years probably. Yeah, that's awesome. 48 yeah. years. Yeah, so. I'm thinking back of you know, relationships and friends and things. And yeah, you usually start to develop them in school, obviously, that's when you start making friends. And I'm thinking back, probably, 
I'm thinking like middle school, going mm-hmm. back to junior high, which with friends still, you know, that right. you still have. Again, you don't talk to them as much as you used to, but yeah, they're lifelong friends. Yes, so I love it. You got to be grateful for your friends. Oh, they are blessings. Yeah. Our friendship groups are blessings for sure from God. And, you know, you find those groups and those friends and you have a similar interest, a faith mm-hmm. background, like I did, raising kids together. Right. And now we commiserate when we get together. We talk about all of the things that our <laughs> kids are right. doing, all of this yeah. kind of age of life in their in their early 20s, trying to, you know, get, get life started and right. going and yeah, it's you need those people in your life for sure. Then you get to my age, and then you talk about your medical ailments. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. What do you got? Yeah, this has been bothering me lately. Oh, so, that's but. funny. Speaking of which, I know you'll have the story coming up, Pope Francis. That's right, yeah. He had his surgery. It, you know, that was sprung on us so quickly. Now, we just heard these little reports earlier in the week that he visited the hospital, and then yesterday... Boom. It was released yeah. during his, his Wednesday audience. He's having surgery. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. And people started to gather at the hospital, prayers from around the world. So and I have an update. Now that the surgery is over, Pope Francis is doing better. But now we're getting a, a little bit clearer idea of what happened. We got an update from uh, from some different news sources. All right. We'll look forward to that. And Brenda, yes, a burn ban what? going into effect soon in your city. We'll have that for you, too. All right. Well, they better not get too carried away with that. We got a great show ahead for you this Thursday morning. We're going to start things now with Sarah Kroger. Alleluia is our song. And we are David and Brenda on the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What hope we have, even in the longest night, for the light will overcome. We will not fear, for we know the sun will rise. Hallelujah is our song. We have even in this wounded world where the battle rages on. We will not fear, for we know who heals our souls. Hallelujah is our song. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. 
Now we shall live Sinners we will rise to saints Sarah Kroger and Hallelujah is our song. It is 710 at Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on this Thursday already. Zipping right through the week. Already. It's zipping right through. So about a week from today, I guess a week from tomorrow, it is the most sacred heart of Jesus, the feast day. Father Eric Anderson going to join us next and talk about that. So stay, stay, stay with us. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. This is Brother Louis-Marie de Montfort. Please join me in the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, and in reparation for sins committed against the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Hearts of Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. No matter where your summer travels take you, Mater Dei Radio is always there. Our Hail Mary Media app is the perfect road trip companion. You're always a click away from a treasury of uplifting prayers, including live Liturgy of the Hours from the Benedictine monks at Mount Angel Abbey and a customized schedule of your own daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also features a stream of Mater Dei Radio's live broadcast and podcast of all our original shows and new programming not available on the radio. 
Radio. Plus, you can jump into all the exciting summertime activities on the interactive community calendar, the latest Catholic news, and much more. Join the thousands of listeners who are moving through the summer with the Hail Mary Media app. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the App Store, Google Play, or go to MontredayRadio.com for all the details. Wherever you go this summer, you're never far from the Hail Mary Media app and Monterey Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And it is 7.13 here at Monterey Radio. More clouds filling the sky this morning, but they're also going to keep temperatures down today, making for a very pleasant afternoon. Highs today up to about 78 degrees under partly cloudy skies this afternoon. Then overnight, we're cooling down to the upper 50s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. Coolest even a little bit more. Highs right around 75 degrees. Then by Saturday, we start to warm up again. We're back into the 80s on Saturday and Sunday. Monday looks to be in the hot range again, David. You know what yesterday was? What was yesterday? Humid. It was. It was kind of humid yesterday. I did notice that too. Uh, 53 degrees at St. Francis Church in Sherwood. And 58 degrees at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver. As we grow in our Catholic faith, we grow in the understanding that the gospel is focused not just on our love for God, but on God's love for us. Our job is to respond to that divine love. To help us do so well, Holy Mother Church has dedicated the month of June to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'm Aaron Earhart for Monterey Radio, and to help us understand the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus better, I'm joined by Father Eric Anderson, pastor of St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland. Father, thank you for taking the time to join us in the studio today. It's great to be back. Uh, Firstly, would you mind giving us a little bit of background just on the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? Yeah, this uh, devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus um, actually... I guess we could say goes way, way back, but uh, in particular in in the modern age, we would associate it with St. John Eudes, and then more specifically with St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, who was a, uh, what was she, a visitation nun in France in the 1600s, and she began to have um, visions and allocutions of, of our Lord Jesus Christ who spoke to her about devotion to his sacred heart. Mm. And uh, and there's a lot of symbology to the sacred heart just in and of itself, the way we see it with flames and the cross coming out of the top. Mm-hmm. Could you describe some of that for us? Right. So we have the crown of thorns right. around the heart, which is piercing the heart so that the heart is uh, suffering right. the pain of the crown of thorns. And I guess we could say there is suffering from the mockeries of mankind and the rejection of mankind and also, um, I guess, the attacks mm-hmm. uh, upon our Lord from from humanity. And yet the heart is aflame, so there's fire coming out of the, of the heart and there's the cross coming out of the heart. So there's the suffering, there's the flame, which refers to the love of our Lord and it's a love that's not necessarily returned. And so that's our devotion then to the Sacred Heart is to make reparation for those who don't love him. So the idea here, and it's interesting because the Feast of the Sacred Heart falls on Friday, a week after Corpus Christi. Mm. So historically, there was a whole octave of Corpus Christi that starts on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So Corpus Christi Thursday, which is a commemoration of Holy Thursday. Right. The United States for a long time 
I mean, back even into the 19th century, it was it was uh, celebrated on Sunday as an external solemnity, but that was because it was a whole octave. Mm-hmm. You had a whole octave of Corpus Christi, so you could do a procession you know, on the se- on the Thursday, on the Friday, on the Saturday, the Sunday, whichever mm-hmm. day worked. Okay. In the United States, since we were in a Catholic country, it wasn't likely that people would have Thursday off work uh, to do a procession like they do in other countries. So it was done here on the weekend. So, but even so, we have this whole octave of Corpus Christi historically, and then the day after the octave completes, then Friday, we have Sacred Heart. Mm. And then historically, there's a whole octave of the Sacred Heart. Mm. And it's not that the faithful would necessarily be uh, doing something each of those days, but the priests and religious would be. And, you know, back in the day, there were a lot of priests and there were a lot of religious. I mean, just like thousands more uh, in our own country than there are today. So you think about that, even if just all the monasteries and the convents were having adoration and special devotions that week. But there's where our Lord speaks to St. Margaret Mary. Mm. And this is what he says. Behold that heart that has loved men so much. That's what we think about the Sacred Heart. Behold that heart which has loved men so much. But he continues. Behold that heart that has loved men so much and receives from them in exchange nothing but coldness, indifference, and sin. And what makes me suffer most is that even souls consecrated to me treat me that way. Those are the Oof. words, yeah, of our Lord to St. Margaret Mary. So even what makes me suffer most is that even souls consecrated to me treat me that way. So we think about that mm-hmm. just in terms of the devotion of priests and religious to the sacred heart. And of course, it's it's very humbling that none of us is capable of giving our Lord what we wish we could. You know, none of us has the prayer life we wish we had. Right. And even priests and religious. And I was reflecting on this this morning. You think about Carmelite nuns or poor Claire nuns, or you, you think about the cloistered nuns and, and the monks and the religious who, you know, they might have some active work, but sure. when the bell rings, they drop it and they go to pray. And that discipline helps them, you know, they, and the more contemplative cloistered religious, well, you know, they spend a lot of their time in prayer. But even there, that they are called to something greater. So to whom more is given, more is expected, right? So you think about that. Well, gosh, the Carmelite nuns or, you know, these various religious orders that spend, you know, all their time in prayer. But even there, their minds might be distracted. They might be thinking about lunch. Sure. They might be thinking about, you know, the the icon that they're writing that they set down to leave for prayer or, you know, a letter they were composing or, you know, whatever it is they're working on, their minds might be distracted. Their hearts might be divided. And so even there, uh, do they return to the Lord, the love that he desires? Well, on one hand, you know, God understands the limitations of our humanity. At the same time, reparation needs to be made, and our Lord takes that upon himself mm. for us. It's his prompting that we're drawn to make reparation then. Right. And and it's and it's a, and a special gift that we have of feast day 
that allows us to do so because it's easier to set aside one day to do that. All right, for one day, I can focus my attention on devotion to the Sacred Heart. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not like saying, well, every day, you know, if it's every day, then I'm, I'm certainly going to fall short like most days. But if it's one day, I can focus my attention for one day on devotion to the Sacred Heart. Mm -hmm. And I could even do so once a month on a Friday. I could focus, I could focus one day a month on a first Friday for devotion to the Sacred Heart. He's Father Eric Anderson, pastor of St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland, and he's joining us today to talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And you just segued us perfectly right into <laughs> the First Friday's devotion. Now, this is a fairly well-known devotion, but it's also strangely not a widely practiced one. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about the, the First Fridays. We get big crowds on on first Friday. I wasn't, I wasn't impugning you father. No, 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 I know. <laughs> but even so, when yeah. you think about, when you think about the num the percentage of the population that is Catholic, right. And then the percentage of Catholics who even go to mass every Sunday, and then the percentage mm -hmm. that actually go to mass, the percentage of those that actually do the nine first Fridays, you know, it, it gets smaller and smaller. Right. And that that's not to, that's not to shame anyone, although a little shame, a little guilt can be very helpful because <laughs> <laughs> we all know that we should be, you know, there, we all have sure. things we would like to do that we don't get around to. Absolutely. So a little guilt, a little Catholic guilt is good. <laughs> it helps us. But the idea here is that we make reparation for sins against the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And that's why the Sacred Heart falls right after the octave of Corpus Christi. Ah. Okay. So, and that's one of the complaints that our Lord makes to St. Margaret Mary is that, you know, priests who, who celebrate mass in an irreverent manner or who treat the blessed sacrament in an irreverent manner. So we make reparation for that mm -hmm. by means of um, a communion of reparation. I might be confusing the first Saturdays with the first Fridays there, but but we make reparation through um, through our devotion mm -hmm. to the Sacred Heart, and and then that is connected to the devotion to the Immaculate Heart. We come to Jesus through Mary, to the Sacred Heart through the Immaculate Heart. So we have the nine First Fridays, mm -hmm. and we have the five First Saturdays. The idea there is basically it gets you to go to confession once a month, and and if we're going to confession once a month then our spiritual lives can actually make some progress. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're only going to confession once a year, which is the minimum, it's one of the precepts of the church, we go to confession at least once a year during the Easter season so that we can go to communion at least once a year in a state of grace. But that's, that's just the bare minimum to say that you're a Catholic in good standing. Mm -hmm. but that's, you're not making any progress in the spiritual life if you're only going to confession once a year. Right. Well, Father, we are coming up against our break, and uh, we've barely scratched the surface. Would you mind staying with us through the next half hour so we can continue our conversation? I better do so. Okay, great. It is 723 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, you will be able to hear more of that interview in our next half hour coming up at around 840. You can also catch that full interview with Aaron and Father Eric Anderson. That podcast will be made available to you on the Hail Mary media app or on our webpage at materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. 
Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Holy Family Catholic Clinic is a proud member of Mater Dei Radio's Leadership Circle. Located at 21810 Willamette Drive in West Lynn, Holy Family Catholic Clinic is Christ-centered and provides superior, compassionate, life-affirming health care to patients of all ages. Holy Family Catholic Clinic offers medical services that are in adherence to Catholic moral teaching and bioethics, honoring the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. Learn more at holyfamilyclinic.com. That's holyfamilyclinic.com. Hi, everyone. This is David from Mater Dei Radio's Morning Blend. I would like to invite you to check out my new podcast, On The Go, where I have a chance to visit with coaches, musicians, artists, and more. We go a little bit more in-depth with the podcast, which hopefully gives you a little more insight into the good folks we talk to. It's on the go, available on your favorite podcast platform or Mater Dei Radio's free Hail Mary media app. I'll talk to you soon. Want an eye-opener in the morning without the caffeine? It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Dei Radio. And it is 726 at Mater Day Radio. Tell you about a burn ban getting set to go into effect in the city of Vancouver. That's coming up. And Pope Francis is out of surgery and resting, but his schedule completely cleared for weeks to allow for a restful recovery. I'll have that story for you coming up in news. Here is A-Lob, The Cross Remains. And we are the Morning Blend on Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.
We're trusting in your plan. Lord, heal these lands. We're trusting in your plan. New life from the ashes. We're trusting in your And the cross remains. 7.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In your news this hour, Catholics from every part of the world prayed yesterday for the protection and safety of Pope Francis as he underwent surgery yesterday. Tracy Sable from EWTN News Nightly has more on the report. Pope Francis is awake and alert after undergoing three-hour abdominal surgery today in Rome. He was admitted to the Gemelli University Hospital right after his talk to pilgrims at the Vatican. According to the Holy See officials, uh, the surgery became necessary due to a painful hernia. Pope Francis will remain in the hospital for several days. Audiences with the Holy Father have been suspended until June 18th. However, doctors say following the surgery, Pope Francis is in good spirits. Now, Vatican spokesman Matteo Bruni told journalists earlier today that the Pope's routine follow-up examinations were good and that he will continue to rest in the hospital. Dr. Sergio Alfieri, the director of the hospital's abdominal surgery department, said at a press conference immediately following the surgery that Pope Francis had been experiencing pain for several months due to an inclusional hernia and decided on June 6th to undergo the surgery to correct it. Religious leaders around the world have expressed their well wishes and prayers for Pope Francis as he recovers in the hospital. Archbishop Timothy Broglio, the president of the U.S. Bishops Conference, asked Catholics to continue to pray for the Pope's mm. healing. Well, yeah, hopefully he comes out okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at his age, 86, yeah. a three-hour surgery, mm-hmm. that that's a long time yeah. under anesthesia. I think I read one time a nurse had said something like, you know, a, a rule of thumb for every hour of anesthesia, that is a one month recovery. Wow. So you can bet him to, you yeah. know, for the next three months to probably still feel the effects sure. of it.
Well, Vancouver residents, mark this on your calendar. Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, a week from today, that would be June 15th. A total ban on recreational burning will go into effect in the city limits. The mandate announced by Vancouver Fire Marshal Heidi Scarpelli due to extremely dry conditions. She says the ban is needed for community fire safety needs and will likely remain in effect throughout the summer months or until weather and fire danger conditions greatly improve. Now, the ban includes recreational fires and bonfires, campfires and fires in outdoor fireplaces, fire pits, and chimney-like devices. Now, cooking outdoors in propane or charcoal barbecues approved for that type of use is still allowed during the burn ban. Those violating the burn ban face a $500 fine and potential criminal penalties. Uh, well, you know, David, sometimes when we get out on the, the grill, that is also considered recreational burning. Uh, so <laughs> we'll definitely have to watch out yes. for that. Signs already up all over the area because yeah. Clark County still allows for fireworks. It'll be interesting to know as to whether or not a ban on fireworks this year will be in place. We are drying out so quickly. We have not had hardly any rain, no. if any at all, over the last two, three weeks. It's been a long time. I think that KG uh, K2 News was reporting we are somewhere like 28 days yeah. since the last measurable rainfall. Already. So, and we're and now we're getting into the dry part of the season exactly. when you don't really see any rain. Very unusual. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. I remember last June well. It poured yeah. rain for a long time. Well, hours into a Wednesday afternoon Portland City Council session, commissioners voted to pass an ordinance banning homeless camps during daytime hours while banning them all together in certain areas of the city. Now, the proposed ordinance came up for public testimony last week, drawing a large crowd and hours of debate. A vote on the ordinance happened at 5.30 p.m. yesterday. Now, the ordinance now prohibits homeless people from camping on city property between the hours of 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., requiring that tents and other belongings be dismantled and removed by those daytime hours. The ordinance also imposes permanent bans on camping in pedestrian use zones within 250 feet of schools or child care centers in the public right of way along city designated high crash corridors and around city parks, including city sponsored shelters. Here's the the part, though. Yeah. Enforcement of the ban remains the most unclear aspect. The ordinance empowers Portland police to issue citations, even make arrests after three violations. City officials have frequently made it known that staffing shortages at the Portland Police Bureau limiting their response to more significant crimes. So it's unclear how they would have the resources to respond to violations of the camping yeah, ban. It'll be interesting to see how that comes out. Well, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano has begun erupting again, according to the U.S. Geological Survey Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. So around 4.45 a.m. yesterday morning, webcam images showed a glow at the summit, indicating that an eruption had begun. Moments later, images showed fissures at the base of the crater, generating lava flows on the surface. Officials stress that the activity is confined to the crater and does not pose a threat to the public at this point. Now, hazards will be reassessed as the eruption continues. 
Hawaii Island Mayor Mitch Roth said the county is not opening its emergency operations center given that the activity is contained to the summit crater, but he did have some concerns about gas emissions. Over the past two to three weeks, scientists have been tracking an uptick in seismic activity that prompted them to raise the volcano alert level. One of their big concerns is people start flocking to go watch it, and then that creates other issues. And so, Mm, I, I love watching documentaries yeah. on volcanoes. Yeah. I think they are fascinating. Don't need to be near it, though, to, to actually experience it. So. And the thing about this one, there is a live webcam. Is so you, there yeah, really? Yeah, so you can watch it. You can actually okay. watch it without having to go there. Well, now I know what I'm doing the rest of the day. <laughs> there you go. Well, Christian broadcaster Pat Robertson, who spun a local Virginia TV station into the Global Christian Broadcast Network, has died at the age of 93, the network announced Thursday. Robertson's cause of death was not given in the announcement. In 1988, Robertson ran for president seeking the GOP nomination. He finished in second place in the Iowa caucuses ahead of Vice President George H.W. Bush. Now, from that experience, he founded the political organization Christian Coalition, Reverend Robertson is the son of a long-serving U.S. congressman and senator from Virginia, was among the first evangelists to take religion out of the realm of private belief into the secular arena of politics. Reverend Robertson was one of the most popular and influential religious figures of his time. For decades, he was the host of the 700 Club, a casual talk show that combined hard right politics, faith healing, and lifestyle news. Broadcast in dozens of languages and in more than 200 countries, the show made Reverend Robertson the world's most watched TV preacher. No kidding. That's yeah. I think that show was off for quite a while. Too, quite, I think it? you can still catch the, the reruns and older yeah. episodes oh. of that show. The 700 Club comes on, I think, in the middle of the afternoon still. Oh. In sports, it did not take the Denver Nuggets long to grab back home court advantage in the NBA championship finals in Miami last night. The Nuggets beat the Heat 109-94. to Now, with the win, Denver takes a two-games-to-one lead in the best-of-seven series. So check this out. The Nuggets, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, both scored over 30 points and recorded triple doubles. It's the first time, the first time ever in NBA history that teammates have done that in the same game. So Jokic had 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Murray ended with 34 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. That's wow, pretty amazing. That is incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, Nuggets back with the home court. Well, during the Kansas City Chiefs' visit to the White House on Monday in celebration of their Super Bowl victory in February, the team's kicker, Harrison Butker, made a statement in support of the unborn by wearing a custom-made necktie with a pro-life message. Butker is a faithful Catholic and wore a tie that says, Volneari Presidio. A Latin phrase, he says, means protect the most vulnerable. He said, I want to give the most vulnerable, the unborn, a voice at a place where every effort has been made to allow and normalize the termination of lives. Budker said in a statement on June 5th, Biden gave a speech at the event praising the Super Bowl champions, not only for their football skills, but also for using their platforms for good. Budker kicked the Super Bowl. <clears throat> 
excuse me, the Super Bowl winning field goal for the Chiefs during his team's stunning February 12th Super Bowl victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. In addition to his game-clinching kick, he captured media attention for his scapular, which made a timely appearance as it slipped out of his jersey. More than 100 million fans across the globe watched him line up for a 27-yard field goal attempt with 11 seconds left on the clock in a tie game. After that championship-winning kick, Butker said, I think that was our blessed mother asking for the spotlight to be shown on her and reminding me that all the glory goes to God. I got to go back and see the replay of that to go see if you look, can see the scapular. Yeah. The, if you go online and you you type in his name's Harrison Butker, right. game-winning kick, scapular. Okay. You're going to find all kinds of people took the picture and circled it. That's great. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. And this evening at 6 o'clock is the monthly Night of Hope and Healing at St. Alice Catholic Church in Springfield. Join Father Mark Benz every second Thursday of the month for a Night of Hope and Healing, starting with bilingual Mass in English and Spanish, Rosary at 6 o'clock p.m. You can find details on these and other events. Just head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. And more from Father Eric Anderson on the Sacred Heart of Jesus right after the forecast. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Please join me, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and other listeners of Modern Day E-Radio as we pray an act of hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh my God, relying on your infinite mercy and promises, I hope to obtain pardon of my sins, the help of your grace, and everlasting life through the merits of Jesus Christ my Lord and Redeemer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit us at materdayradio.com and click Prayer, or call our prayer hotline at 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737. Support from Otter Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including True North Retirement Advisors, a clear path to financial freedom. With decades of experience, True North Retirement Advisors helps business owners exit their business and retire with financial security. Information on how to get started with the business exit strategy plan and scheduling a no-cost consultation is available online at truenorthretirementadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Father Cedric Bizenia. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest, and the host of Live With Passion. My motto is touching lives and saving souls. 
I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. Talk about real-life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion. And it is 7.45 at Mater Day Radio. A few morning clouds out there today. Maybe see a little sunshine this afternoon. A little cooler than yesterday. High of 78 degrees. Cloudy overnight tonight. Low of 56. And then cloudy again for Friday. Even cooler. Low of 76. Or a high of 76. A high of 76. A low of 76 would be kind of warm. <laughs> Might be. Yeah. And there's there's always the possibility yes. we'll get there at some point this summer. Currently it is 56 degrees at the Madeline right here in Portland. And 55 degrees at St. Thomas More Newman Center in Eugene. I'm continuing now my conversation with Father Eric Anderson, pastor of St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland. And we're discussing devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and its tie to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And we were just talking about reparation, reparation for sins against against our Lord in the Eucharist specifically. Tell us a little bit about more about the First Fridays, because we were just about to get there when we had to go to a break. Okay. Well, the First Fridays are connected to the 12 promises mm-hmm. of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary. So the idea here is that we would enthrone an image of the Sacred Heart in our homes, so that if he is, if he is not acknowledged as king in our nation— he would at least be acknowledged as king in our home and with our family. But even if you haven't done so, you can still do the nine first Fridays, but that rounds it out. The idea is that he's the king of our home and that he's king of our hearts so that we wouldn't place ourselves above God, that we would actually place, you know, when we say thy will be done to the father, that, that we mean it and we embrace that. And so all of these external things can help us to get into the internal. Right. You know, we're human beings. You know, we might say, oh, I can love God in my heart. But then as I'm out and about living my life, I just sort of forget about all that. Well, our hearts are going to forget about that, too. So it's helpful when we have a crucifix in a room, we're reminded, oh, yeah, I'm a Catholic. Uh, When we have the Sacred Heart of Jesus enthroned in our homes, we remember, oh yeah, I I shouldn't be watching these things on TV. Or I shouldn't be, you know, I should remember to eat fish on Fridays. Or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and then as we, um, as we make these nine First Fridays, which basically means you go to confession, you receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, and the, you pray some devotion to the, to the Sacred Heart. So, you go, to, you go to your parish church where they're doing the devotions of the Sacred Heart on the first Fridays, and that helps you to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. But then our Lord makes promises. So if we do these things, then these are the promises. And it's not so much like, you do this and I'll do this back. It's more right. like, you do this, and these are the things that will result from that. Mm-hmm. So the first promise is, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. Second... I will establish peace in their homes. The third, I will comfort them in all their afflictions. The fourth, I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. The fifth, I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. 
which might mean an abundant blessing on all your undertakings might mean that if you're not undertaking something that God wants you to, it will fail. And that's a blessing. (laughs) Thank God I failed at this because it's not what I was supposed to do. Uh That's a blessing upon all my undertakings. Mm. Uh, The sixth sinners will find in my heart, the source and infinite ocean of mercy. The seventh promise, lukewarm souls shall become fervent. The eighth, fervent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. Nine, I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. The tenth, I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. The eleventh, those who shall promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart. And twelfth, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Fridays in nine consecutive months, the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving their sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. Well, if that's not motivation to start doing the first Fridays, I don't know what is. Uh, because like half of those would be amazing. Yeah. We're speaking with Father Eric Anderson, pastor at St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland, and we're discussing devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, There's many aspects of this devotion, but you mentioned one thing, uh, king of our hearts. For a a country that is not used to having a king, we see, you know, we call ourselves a democracy, we're a republic, you know, voting, independent, that rugged individualism style of thing you see in a lot of, of American culture. Having a king is is maybe a foreign concept to some American Catholics. Well, maybe a, a good way to put that is is that he's the father of our hearts. You know, a king right. is a father, right? Basically, and if we look at the example, the best examples of kings or emperors, we find loving fathers like mm-hmm. Blessed Karl of Austria, okay, who is an emperor and a king, yeah. and actually consecrated his his family. I think his his marriage to the Sacred Heart. Immaculate Heart, and uh, of course, a lot of people, a lot of Catholics have a great devotion to him, yeah, and a and a great hope for a sense of restoration of Christendom. Now, the idea there is that it's true we don't live in a in a monarchy, but there is there's a romance about this sense of of the return of the true King, mm. who will come to make everything right once more, and he will. You know, he will conquer the wicked and and cast them from their false thrones. Right. And he will restore peace and justice in the land. You know, you can just look at Tolkien yeah. and the return of the king. And this, sure. everybody's rooting that Aragon will, you know, be restored yeah. to his rightful throne. Mm-hmm. And there's this sense of hope that if the right man, if the rightful king is on his throne, then all will be well. And it, it's when a father, a loving father, is is the spiritual head of his family and living a, a holy life and sanctifying grace and respectful and loving and honoring his wife and caring for his right. children and providing, you know, then everybody's everybody's at peace in that in that home. Mm-hmm. A right ordered relationship ordered to the Lord. Right. Yeah. And and so that's where these promises of the sacred heart for those who have a devotion to him and who practice these nine first Fridays. If, if the Lord is King of our homes and of our hearts, 
then regardless of how dysfunctional our family might be, regardless of how our country might be falling apart or the world is it, you know, conflict and chaos and our city is just, you know, mm-hmm. state of disorder and yeah. whatever. Well, but if he's the king of my heart, well, I'll be at peace and I'll have what it takes to get through whatever, whatever comes. The peace not as the world gives it. Exactly. Right. He's Father Eric Anderson, pastor of St. Stephen's Catholic Church here in Portland. We could go on and on and on, but we have a show to do. So before we go, <laughs> would you uh, leave us with a prayer and your blessing, Father? Yes. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. O Sacred Heart of Jesus, for whom it is impossible not to have compassion on the afflicted, have pity on us poor sinners, and grant us the grace which we ask of you through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, your tender mother, and ours. Amen. Amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, make our hearts like unto thine. O most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. O most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. O most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Namani Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Father, thank you so much for taking the time to come in and join us today. Ah, so fun to be here. It's been a while. And it is 7.54 at Mater Day Radio. Always great to have Father Eric Anderson on with us. He is so generous with his time, too, he to is. be able to be with us. Yeah, it's fantastic. Hey, the Hail Mary Media app, if you haven't downloaded it yet, let me just tell you, it's free. Yes, it is free. Go to our website right there on the front page. You can learn all about it. You can access our exclusive audio, video, and text prayer library. Tune in to live broadcasts of Mater Day Radio. Even sign up for customized prayer reminders all on the free Hail Mary Media app. Find out the details on our website at materdayradio.com. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, family dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, family dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. This is Modern Day Radio. KBBM Portland, Salem, Vancouver. KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene. Springfield. Translator K235VF, Eugene. And streaming at moderndayradio.com. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as, there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So, to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Dei Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Dei Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Dei Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. The Morning Blend. Check out our podcast at materdayradio.com. And it is 757 at Mater Day Radio. Well, we're blessed in Portland, Brenda. Do you know why? Why? Donuts. <gasps> yes. I'll explain in the news. Can't wait. And the Gospel of Matthew says, knock and it will be opened. Well, 16 migrants flown from Texas and Florida. Well, they knocked on the door. The Archdiocese of Sacramento. I'll have their story for you right after Awaken the Saint. Hey everyone, I'm Sophia with Awaken Catholic and this is Awaken the Saint. Have you ever been repeatedly accused of something you didn't do? If so, you might find common ground with today's saint, William of York, who spent most of his life opposed by those who believed he cheated his way into the position of Archbishop. William was born in York in the late 11th century. Not a lot is known about his childhood, but he presumably grew up in comfort and displayed an interest in joining the clergy. His father was a powerful figure in England, and it's reasonable to believe that that his influence enabled William to ascend to several notable positions, including Archdeacon of East Riding of Yorkshire. William was an Archdeacon from around 1130 until 1141 and was later elected as Archbishop of York. His upbringing must have cast a shadow of doubt upon the validity of his election. However, a number of local clergy immediately voiced their opposition, including the Archbishop of Canterbury. There were rumors that William had bribed his way into winning the election, and considering the wealth of his family, men Many were willing to believe this story. William, embroiled in these suspicions, could do little to defend himself. It took two years, but in 1143, the case was closed and William was officially consecrated as Archbishop. Finally able to carry out his duties, William began making reforms and gained popularity with the people of York, but his struggles weren't over. He still hadn't received his pallium, an Archbishop's proof of authority given by the Pope. And unfortunately for him, a new Pope, Eugene III was elected during this time. The new pope was convinced to reopen the investigation regarding William's election to the Archbishopric. Then things got worse. In an act of retaliation against the unrelenting accusations, several of William's relatives attacked the Fountains Abbey, which was associated with one of William's opponents. This was just the kind of scandal needed to win over the pope. And in 1147, William was deposed. He returned home, but his behavior didn't give the naysayers any more ammunition. He renounced the luxury he was born into and lived like a poor monk in a monastery at Winchester. When Pope Eugene died six years later, William finally had a chance to clear his name. He appealed to the new Pope, Anastasius IV, who saw that William had been wronged and reinstated him. William returned to his post, welcomed back by a cheering public. He would remain an archbishop for less than a month before his sudden death. Some suspected he was poisoned by those who were still prejudiced against him, but investigations were not conclusive. The miracles reported following his death were far more certain and led to his canonization in 1226. When other people slander us, it seems like a natural response to fight back in some way. William's relatives certainly thought that it was appropriate for them to vandalize an abbey in order to express their annoyance. In the end, fighting fire with fire usually does more harm than good. 
William himself never spoke ill of those who opposed him or tried to defame them when he regained his position. In short, he did as Jesus taught us and turned the other cheek humbly. St. William of York, pray for us. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Dei Radio, please download our free Hail Mary Media app. Details at materdayradio.com. It's 8 o'clock. 36 migrants from Venezuela and Colombia were taken from Texas and Florida and then flown by two separate private charter planes to Sacramento, where 16 were left on the doorsteps of the Catholic Diocese offices, Sacramento. California Governor Gavin Newsom said Saturday that he and the Attorney General with the met with the migrants and that he is working with the Sacramento Mayor's Office as well as area nonprofits to ensure people who have arrived are treated with dignity and respect and get to their intended destinations as they pursue their immigration cases. Sacramento Act a collaboration of area religious congregations said in a statement that after being processed at the borders, the migrants were approached by individuals representing a private contractor who said they would assist them with getting to a migrant center where they would find jobs and free support. Migrants upon arriving in Sacramento had no idea where they were and only a backpack's worth of belongings. Mm. Two clothing giants are at odds. Patagonia is suing Nordstrom for committing trademark infringements by allegedly selling thousands of counterfeit Patagonia merchandise items at Nordstrom rack stores after a year-long partnership ended. Federal lawsuit filed this week in a California district court alleges Nordstrom rack sold sweatshirts and T-shirts with Patagonia logos and tags that were not made by Patagonia. The lawsuit did not state how many rack stores allegedly sold the counterfeit items. A Nordstrom spokesperson said that the retailer is aware of the lawsuit and reviewing the matter. Puget Sound Business Journal was first to report the lawsuit. Nordstrom was an authorized retailer of Ventura, California-based Patagonia for several years, but recently Patagonia decided not to renew the agreement, according to the lawsuit. Pope Francis is doing well, conscious, and alert after the surgery he underwent yesterday for an intestinal hernia with risk of occlusion, said Surgeon Sergio Alfieri at a press conference at around 9.30 p.m. Rome time. The doctor had performed the operation at Rome's Gemelli Hospital. An hour earlier, the Holy See had announced that the operation had been carried out without complication that lasted for three hours. For this type of operation, medical staff expect five to seven days of convalescence in the hospital. Now, the prefecture of the papal household has already canceled the audiences scheduled on the pontifical agenda until June 18th. Religious leaders around the world have expressed their well wishes and prayers for Pope Francis as he recovers in the hospital. The Archdiocese of Portland and the Archdiocese of Seattle asked all the faithful to continue to pray for Pope Francis, that God watch over his servant. So you know what uh, most parishes serve after morning Mass, don't you? I think I have an idea. When you walk the streets, you'll have no cares. If you walk the lines and not the squares, as you go through life, make this your goal. Watch the donut, not the hole. So you like donuts, eh? 
I don't know what to do with all the donuts. Here, I'll eat two. All right, I'll eat four. Would you kindly pass me a donut? Donut? What's a donut? A donut with no hole. It's Danish. Somebody got donuts for my birthday. Happy birthday. You didn't know it was my birthday. I guess I forgot. Well, I guess I forgot to give you a donut. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of donuts. So you can imagine how many donut shops there are in the United States. Literally thousands. Tens of thousands. That being said, Yelp has come out with its list of the top 100 donut shops in America. And impressively, the greater Portland metro area has four locations on the list of the top 100. And again, this is thousands of donut shops. Portland has four. And at number 15. Oh, wow. wow. That's pretty that's, high up on the list. That's oh, right up there. I got to know. Pips Original Donuts and Chai in Northeast Portland. Really? Ranks 15th. I've had a have Pips you? Donut. I have indeed. Oh, David. Yeah. I have never in my life had a Pips Donut, yeah, I don't man. think. Now you got to try. Uh, donut Day in Aloha was ranked 73rd. Portland Vegan Donut Shop, Doe's Donuts, took the 78th spot. And last but not least, Mikiko Mochi Donuts came in 94th. Yeah. So Yelp said the rankings are based on multiple factors, including the total volumes of the shop selling the donuts and then the ratings of reviews on Yelp, I would assume, since they're doing the... uh, rankings here but yeah portland four in the top 100 out of the thousands of shops vancouver none on that side of the river i didn't see anything there now maybe i missed out but needless to say you don't have to drive far don't have to drive far just go to pips donuts number 15 well i have to ask though david yes who's number one you know i didn't see that's a good question i'll see if i can find out but let me i want to know i might make an extra trip (laughs) after i go to pips i'm going to go over to wherever this number one place is uh, that must be a pretty good donut. I why say. don't in your retirement? Why don't you just go to every the top one hundred? Top one hundred. I'll make a road country. trip. That's it. <laughs> well, a two alarm fast moving fire destroyed at least seven businesses in a Salmon Creek industrial complex in Vancouver. No one was injured in the fire that started late Tuesday night. Firefighters arrived to find the eleven thousand square foot building fully engulfed in flames. Vancouver Fire Department and Clark Cowlitz Fire Rescue assisted in fighting the fire, calling for a second alarm shortly after 11 p.m. Vancouver Fire spokesman Captain Raymond Egan said the fire caused explosions, which sent metal shrapnel flying into the parking lot. The debris struck vehicles in the lot, including a fire truck. Clark County Fire Marshal Dan Young said Wednesday afternoon the fire was under investigation. Investigators were still digging through debris to determine the cause. Seven businesses were destroyed in the fire. Tony Fox, owner of Fox Coatings, said that it was lost, a complete loss Mm. in the fire. Said, I've been doing this for over two and a half decades. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be hard. But we will have a crew back out tomorrow, and we will move on. We will survive this. All right. In sports, well, this would be pretty exciting for soccer fans in the U.S. if reports are accurate. 
International superstar Lionel Messi could sign with MLS club Inter-Miami. According to various reports, he could be offered profit-sharing opportunities as well as an option to purchase an MLS team at the end of his career, according to The Atlantic. Now, the 35-year-old Messi could make his debut for Inter-Miami as soon as July 21st. Unfortunately for Portland fans, the Timbers do not play Miami this season and probably won't next year as well. So this past December, you may remember, Messi won his first World Cup title with, remember who? His home country? Uh, Portugal. Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. There you go. Well, during the third century, Christians had to meet secretly to avoid persecution. A boy named Tarsus volunteered to take the Holy Eucharist to Christians in prison. On his way there, he was recognized by a group of boys who invited Tarsus to play in their games. Knowing that he was a Christian and curious about what Tarsus carried, the gang of boys tried to pry it from him and Well, he had been holding it tightly. At some point, the group of boys evolved into an angry mob that overcame Tartissus, who went down under their blows. He died as he was being carried away with viaticum, that is food for his journey home, still clutched to his chest. Now, viaticum is a Latin word meaning literally provisions for the journey. And the word itself was more commonly used in connection with the offering of last rites in the sacrament of extreme unction after the last anointing and prayers for a person dying or in danger of death. Now the provisions given for that final exercise of life are nothing less than the precious body and blood of the Lord Jesus. What a tremendous gift Jesus left for us in most blessed sacrament. How incredibly fortunate are we to know that God in this is this close to us, that he feeds us with himself, the living bread that comes down from heaven. The Holy Eucharist is true food for this challenging road. It is true consolation for the wounds we endure as we persevere. And so viaticum is a word worth re-embracing within the practice of our faith for its potent reminder that like the young Put upon Tarsus, we walk this road with Jesus Christ. This is a beautiful story from Alitea. Mm. Uh, the author wrote about her own experience learning about St. Tarsus and, and uh, you know, her experience receiving her first communion right. many years ago. I'm going to link the full article on today's podcast. All right. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. On Friday, beginning at 8.30, is a day retreat at Our Lady of Peace Retreat House in Beaverton. Our Lady of Peace invites all for an early summer day retreat on the theme, the spirituality of St. Faustina and the mystery of the Holy Angels. $40 per person includes a very lovely lunch. You can find more details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, materdayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app. You know what else is going on? What else is happening? A Eucharistic revival. Yeah, you can hear about it from Father Dan. He joins us after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. 
online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Good morning. Please join me, Father Martin King, pastor of St. Thomas More Catholic School and Parish, in this morning prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O God, enlighten my mind with truth, inflame my heart with love, inspire my will with courage, enrich my life with service, pardon what I have been, sanctify what I am, order what I shall be, and thine shall be the glory, and mine eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord, Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. For more prayer resources, please visit our website at materdayradio.com or check the prayer section on the new Hail Mary Media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including University of Portland dedicated to excellence and innovation in the classroom. Ranked as one of the top colleges in the West by U.S. News and World Report, the University of Portland is home to robust undergraduate and graduate programs in its Colleges of Arts and Sciences and its Schools of Business, Education, Engineering, and Nursing. Learn more at up.edu. During June, Matrade Radio unites with Catholics around the world to start this summer by honoring the most sacred heart of Jesus. Grow closer to Christ during this special time through our three daily broadcast of the Holy Mass, the Sacred Mysteries of the Rosary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and a wide variety of inspiring spiritual reflections. Matrade Radio is also honored to take your specific intentions to the most sacred heart of Jesus through our powerful prayer hotline. Share your personal requests with our dedicated prayer team right now by clicking the pray button on the Hail Mary Media app and materdayradio.com or call the prayer hotline directly, 503-285-3737. That's 503-285-3737 and let us pray for you throughout the month of June as we lead souls into the most sacred heart of Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary at Mater Dei Radio. It is 814 here at Mater Day Radio. David, I don't know if it was a little passing gray cloud that dropped just a tiny bit of rain or somebody in front of me was cleaning the windshield. <laughs> yes. It was one or the other, but there was a little water on my windshield right. this morning. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if it was rain or not. Yeah, I, 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 probably not. But. <laughs> okay. Well, there are more clouds this morning, though, than yesterday. Going to keep temperatures down today, making, though, for a very pleasant afternoon. Highs today up to 78 degrees under partly cloudy skies this afternoon overnight we're going to cool down to the upper 50s it's always a nice time to open up the windows right Mm -hmm. now tomorrow mostly cloudy will cool us a little bit more highs right around 75 degrees but by saturday we're looking at full sunshine days warming back up into the 80s through the weekend all right 54 degrees at queen of peace church in salem and it is 60 degrees at our lady star of the sea catholic church out in stevenson washington Good morning. This is Dina Marie at Our Lady of Peace Retreat in Beaverton with a Franciscan moment on Mater Dei Radio. Well, during this time of Eucharistic revival in the church, one of the key objectives is to restore understanding and devotion to the great mystery of the Holy Eucharist. 
Fortunately, we have centuries of church history, church tradition, sacred scripture, and the lives of the saints to guide us in our Eucharistic revival. Back with me today is Franciscan friar, Father Dan Petit, to help us recognize the truth and beauty found in the Holy Eucharist through the eyes of Franciscan saints. Good morning, Father Dan, and thanks for joining me again today. It's good to be with you as always, Dina Marie. Well, in this month of June, we have a lot of things to celebrate. As you know, it's the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart. But within it, we have the Feast of Corpus Christi. And it was just a year ago, Corpus Christi, where our uh, country really, with the leadership of the bishop, said, let's go on this Eucharistic revival, really focusing on the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist and to find out how to really heal this hurting world. It's it's through our it's through our greatest healer, Christ himself. I'd love to look through the eyes of the Franciscan saints and just see the Holy Eucharist in a in a new and refreshing way, I think, through the lives of the saints. And so let's take St. Anthony. His, his feast day is coming up June 13th. I would have liked to have had it been on June 12th, my birthday, but a day uh-huh. later is the feast of St. Anthony. And um, let's let's hear a little bit about his life and how he was called really to be a great disciple of Christ. Yeah, well, I think his discipleship certainly began as an Augustinian uh, in Portugal, but soon after uh, becoming a priest as uh, an Augustinian, he was so impressed with the proto-martyrs of the Franciscans coming back in body bags from Morocco, who had just been uh, martyred for having proclaimed Christ in the the, um, Moroccan uh, of territories. He was uh, so impressed he wanted to become a Franciscan. and. ended up joining them, coming up on the ship with them, and um, Francis received him himself, and uh, he entered the Franciscans, and then became a disciple of Christ after the manner of St. Francis, which was very incarnational, uh, his spirituality. Francis, if Christ, if Christ walked to the cross and journey to Jerusalem, Francis, that's what he was going to do, was journey to Jerusalem and, and and took that that seriously. And that's the way it's kind of walking in the footprints of Christ. That's what discipleship meant, discipleship meant for Francis. And of course, St. Anthony as well. He took that very seriously. Mm. What do we know about um, St. Anthony, just in terms of how he preached? Certainly, there are a lot of stories about him being a great preacher. Um, he's known for, in fact, I believe, he's a doctor of the Universal Church, because yeah. of his preaching and just his witness to Christ and to the faith. Well, most of his uh, uh, time as a Franciscan was spent up in the north of Italy on the French-Italian border, combating what were called at the time in Italian the Cathari, or in the French, Albigensians, and they were actually medieval Manichaeans, the Manichaean heresy of the time of Augustine that posited that Christ never took on flesh, but rather um, the body is evil. It belongs to the evil deity. There's two deities. There's an evil one and there's a good one. And the good one created the spirit. The evil one created the body. And the two aren't really united in any real way. And of course, if Christ had no body, that meant also that the Eucharist is meaningless. There's, we don't actually have the body of Christ. 
And so Francis or uh, St. Anthony spent a lot of time preaching against these heretics up in the north because they were seducing a lot of Catholic believers because they looked so authentic as followers of Christ. And uh, St. Anthony went up there and he just began to convert many Catholics back to their Catholic faith who had been taken in by the the appearance of these albigens, these Cathari, because they looked very ascetical. Since the body is evil, they fasted a lot because the less of the body you had, the better. And so they were super ascetical and so uh, impressive by to the people there. They thought, these are authentic disciples. Well, Anthony of Padua came along and uh, began to preach against them and tried to get people to follow the true Christ and the embodied Christ, you know, Christ come in the flesh. Right, right. Talking with Father Dan Petit during the month of June and the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua comes up on the 13th of June, as always. And obviously, I would just imagine that St. Anthony would have to have this real passion for the Eucharist. St. Francis certainly did. We've talked about the Eucharist and the Blessed Mother. He just really was tethered between those two and always drew him to Christ. What do we know about St. Anthony and just really proclaiming the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist? Well, there is the famous story um, that uh, of, of Anthony. And of course, we do have recorded miracles of him that, uh, did verify his preaching to the people. Um, although one time he was so rejected by the people as he was preaching, he walked out of town and started preaching to the fish. And of course they listened to him. You know? right. And uh, that was an amazing miracle. But there was this one in, when he was in Rimini, uh, there was a, a, a town, um, very prominent citizen who was very effective in terms of convincing people that Christ didn't come in the flesh, Bono Nilo. And uh, Anthony of Padua offered a, a challenge. He said, look, you starve your mule for three days, and then I'll stand over here and we'll put a pile of hay over there. And whoever the mule goes to, that will prove that Christ is the Son incarnate because the body of Christ is here, as opposed to running for the hay, in which case he's just ignoring the body of Christ. So they did that. They starved this mule for three three days. They put the pile of hay there, and Anthony stood over with the Eucharist. And instead of going to the hay, the mule walked before Anthony and knelt down on his front, knee, uh, front legs and adored Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And it converted everyone that day uh, in the town square, uh, because it was all built up what they were doing, this big contest, kind of like uh, Elijah with the prophets of Baal, you know, in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, don't straddle the issue. Let's have a test here. Well, this mule knelt down and adored the Lord instead of going for the hay and eating it because he was so hungry. Yeah, it I love that story. And it's a true story. And again, it just shows me the faith of St. Anthony. I know Jesus is present in the Holy Eucharist. I know that we are going to be able to show the people of his true presence. And here is a creature, a beast of burden <laughs> who kneels right. and recognizes. And, you that. know, and, you know, and, and St. Paul really speaks to this when he says, 
the whole created, the all of creation awaits the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. That's what it's awaiting. And of course, the more we stray from our baptism, the further away from being a son or daughter of God we are, when in fact, all creation awaits that revelation and desires it. Well, in this case, there's Anthony, a child of God, and certainly holding Jesus Christ incarnate. And this creature just went right for it, you know? Right, right. And some of the different imagery that we see St. Anthony in, Father Dan, typically if you'll see statues of various saints, there are things that depict their particular charism. Uh, what do we know about St. Anthony? If we see an image, if it's in a Franciscan habit, it could be a few uh, different Franciscans. How would we maybe identify St. Anthony? He's always holding the, the child, the infant child, Jesus, uh, who did appear to him and did, you know, put his hand on his cheek and everything. And he had such a tender love for Christ and his humanity, you know, and uh, and and uh, tremendous intimacy with Christ. St. Anthony of Padua, again, June 13th is his feast day. Father Dan, I want to um, talk a little bit more about this month of June because there's so much that ties into the Holy Eucharist, of course, the Sacred Heart, but we are coming up to a break. So stay with me. And then in the next half hour, we'll talk more here along on Matre Radio. Sounds good. It is 825 here at Mater Day Radio. The Hail Mary Media app has been designed specifically for our supporters. It has such incredible resources available. You'll have the live broadcast at Mater Day Radio, the library of wonderful uh, prayers that are just a part of our Catholic tradition. You also have access to the community calendar. It is an absolutely free download for you today the Hail Mary Media app. You can download it and immediately start using it. I use it every single day myself. It is the Hail Mary Media app. You can also access information about it if you go to our webpage, MontredayRadio.com. Support for Monterey Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Would you like to gain a deeper understanding of the Holy Mass? Hello, this is Terry Ross. Join me on Mater Day Radio each Saturday afternoon at 4 and Sunday afternoon at 2 for the glory of the Mass. Every weekend, we'll explore the rich history of sacred music within the Catholic liturgy. Increase your appreciation for the beauty and sanctity of Catholic sacred music with the glory of the Mass Saturday and Sunday afternoons on Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. It's the cup that refreshes the morning blend on Mater Day Radio. And it is 827 at Mater Day Radio. Well, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano erupting again. We'll have the story in the news. And Pope Francis is out of surgery and resting, but his schedule is completely cleared for weeks to allow for a restful recovery. I'll have his story plus more coming up in three minutes. Here is the thirsting and dreams. We are the morning blend right here at Mater Day Radio.
If you're lost inside a dream And stuck in in between Waiting for the answers to your life And if you're searching for a sign And you're down to your last dime You're hoping for more time to make it right Well every road takes a bend And every tree sways in the wind The journey is the end where it begins And you will fly high tonight You will fly The Thirsting and Dreams. It is 8.30 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Catholics from every part of the world prayed yesterday for the protection of Pope Francis as he underwent surgery yesterday. Tracy Sable from EWTN News Nightly has a full report. Pope Francis is awake and alert after undergoing three-hour abdominal surgery today in Rome. He was admitted to the Gemelli University Hospital right after his talk to pilgrims at the Vatican. According to the Holy See officials, uh, the surgery became necessary due to a painful hernia. Pope Francis will remain in the hospital for several days. Audiences with the Holy Father have been suspended until June 18th. However, doctors say following the surgery, Pope Francis is in good spirits. Vatican spokesman Matteo Bruni told journalists earlier today that the Pope's routine follow-up examinations were good, then he will continue to rest in the hospital. Dr. Sergio Alfieri, the director of the hospital's abdominal surgery department, said at a press conference immediately following the surgery that Pope Francis had been experiencing pain for several months due to an incisional hernia and decided on June 6th to 
undergo the surgery to correct it. Religious leaders around the world have expressed their well wishes and prayers for Pope Francis as he recovers in the hospital. Archbishop Timothy Broglio, the president of the U.S. Bishops Conference, asked Catholics to continue to pray for the Pope's healing. Well, you certainly hope that gets rid of the pain. That would, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. For months, they said that yeah. he's been experiencing pain. Mm. And, and so I think that makes sense for a lot of what we have been seeing. Yeah. Well, Vancouver residents, mark this on your calendar. A week from today, that would be June 15th, a total ban on recreational burning will go into effect in the city limits. Now, the mandate announced by Vancouver Fire Marshal Heidi Scarpelli due to extremely dry conditions. She says the ban is needed for community fire safety needs and will likely remain in effect throughout the summer months or until weather and fire danger conditions greatly improve. The ban includes recreational fires and bonfires, campfires and fires in outdoor fireplaces, fire pits, and chimney-like devices. So cooking outdoors in propane or charcoal barbecues approved for that type of use is still allowed during the burn ban. Those violating the burn ban face a $500 fine and potential criminal penalties. You brought this up earlier with how dry it has already been. You kind of wonder what's going to happen with uh, 4th of July and fireworks and what uh, officials are going to do when we get closer to that time. Now, David, did they say anything about uh, like propane gas, not cookers, but like fire pits? Like, for instance, I have a little patio set and a table in the middle of a table is a gas fire pit it doesn't burn very much there's no embers from it i wonder right. if there's been anything uh, on that you know that is a very good question and just kind of reading it says campfires and fires and outdoor fireplaces fire pits and chimney like devices so uh, yeah you know it's a very good question you'd probably that would probably be something you'd want to call and check and, on and check on, and that's a it's a it's a great point too. And they say if you do have questions, call them. Okay, and and find out just to verify. All right, yeah. I will try to figure that out because uh, with those types of things, without because they don't put off embers, you just turn right. off it and the fire's gone. Yeah. So I wonder if that falls into the propane cooker. Yeah. If I uh, probably I'm, a fine line. I there. think I will have marshmallows available yeah. and just say, "Oh, this is my propane marshmallow maker." Yes, that, that specifically says. Did that go? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. think so. Yeah. Give him a call. I will. Well, hours into a Wednesday afternoon Portland City Council session, commissioners voted to pass an ordinance banning homeless camps during daytime hours, while banning them altogether in certain areas of the city. The proposed ordinance came up for public testimony last week, drawing a large audience and hours of debate. A vote on the ordinance happened at around 5.30 yesterday afternoon. The ordinance now prohibits homeless people from camping on city property between the hours of 8 a.m. and 8 p.m., requiring that tents and other belongings be dismantled and removed by those daytime hours. The ordinance also imposes permanent bans on camping in a pedestrian use zone. That's within 250 feet of schools or child care centers and in the public right of way along city designated high crash corridors and around city parks, including city sponsored shelter sites. 
The enforcement, though, of the ban remains the unclear aspect. The ordinance empowers Portland police to issue citations, even make arrests after three violations. City officials have frequently made it known that staffing shortages at the Portland Police Bureau, limiting their response to more significant crimes, so it is unclear how they will have the resources to respond to violations of the camping ban. Well, Hawaii's Kilauea volcano has begun erupting again, according to the U.S. Geological Survey Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. So around 4.45 a.m. yesterday morning, webcam images showed a glow at the summit, indicating that an eruption had begun. Moments later, images showed fissures at the base of the crater, generating lava flows on the surface of the crater. Officials stress that the activity is confined to the crater area and does not pose a threat to the public, at least at this point in time. No hazards will be reassessed as the eruption continues. Hawaiian Island Mayor Mitch Roth said the county is not opening its emergency operations center, given the activity is contained to the summit crater. But he did have some concerns about the gas emissions. Over the past two to three weeks, scientists have been tracking an uptick in seismic activity that prompted them to raise the volcano alert level. So is this flow of new lava and this explosion putting any homes in danger? I don't think so. Not not at this point in time. So, yeah, hopefully it stays the same. Well, Christian broadcaster Pat Robertson, who spun a local Virginia TV station into the Global Christian Broadcasting Network, has died at the age of 93, the network announced this morning. Robertson's cause of death was not given in the announcement. So in 1988, Robertson ran for president seeking the GOP nomination. He finished in second place in the Iowa caucuses, ahead of Vice President George H.W. Bush. From that experience, he founded the political organization Christian Coalition. Reverend Robertson is the son of the long-serving U.S. congressman and senator from Virginia. He was among the first evangelists to take religion out of the realm of private belief and into the secular arena of politics. Reverend Robertson was one of the most popular and influential religious figures of his time. For decades, he was the host of the 700 Club, casual talk show that combined right-leaning politics, faith healing, and lifestyle news. Broadcast in dozens of languages in more than 200 countries, the show made Reverend Robertson the most-watched TV preacher. And in sports, it did not take the Denver Nuggets long to grab back home court advantage in the NBA championship finals. In Miami last night, the Nuggets beat the Heat 109-94. to So with the win, Denver takes two games to one lead in the best of seven series. The Nuggets, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray both scored over 30 points and recorded triple doubles. That's the first time. In NBA history, that teammates have done that in the same game. So Jokic had 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Murray ended with 34 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. So game four tomorrow night in Miami, 5.30 tip-off. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. 
And coming up on Tuesday, beginning at 6 o'clock, is an autistic young adult ministry at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Beaverton, providing a space for neurodiverse young adult Catholics ages 21 to 35 to create community, foster faith, and minister in the church. Registration requested, but not required. You can find details on these and other events. Head over to the community calendar, materdayradio.com, and the Hail Mary media app. And more for you on the Eucharistic Revival right after the forecast. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Are you a young adult in your 20s or 30s? Are you looking to bring Christ into your everyday work? Hi, I'm Jesse Jose, the president of the Portland chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Our mission is to challenge, train, and inspire young adults to work in witness for Christ. No matter your career field or level of experience, We invite you to join us at an upcoming event to build community, learn from seasoned professionals, and grow in your Catholic faith. For more information, visit ycpportland.org. A great way to support Mater Dei Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. And it is 8.42 at Mater Day Radio. Partly sunny skies today, a little cooler than yesterday, high of 78 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight, low of 56, and then cloudy again for Friday, a high of 76. Currently 58 degrees at Our Lady of Lourdes Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 58 degrees at St. Philip Neary Church in Portland. This is Dina Marie, and I'm back with Father Dan Petit as we look at the month of June. And one of the Franciscan saints is St. Anthony of Padua. We also have a beautiful whole month to celebrate the Sacred Heart. And Father Dan, thanks for coming back and sharing with me today. Thank you, Dina Marie. Good to be here. Well, you as a Franciscan friar, you're a third order regular and you're part of the province of the most sacred heart. So I thought it'd be really appropriate just hear a little bit about the Sacred Heart. We celebrate for the whole month of June. How's the Sacred Heart connected with your own Franciscan spirituality? Well, I think one of the things that I've learned most from the Sacred Heart, it's similar to what I've learned from the Immaculate Heart of Mary, you know, oftentimes depicted with the crown of thorns about it, and uh, it's bleeding. And of course, what that means is there's tremendous uh, compassion and empathy in the Sacred Heart. This is what I learned from our Lord. His heart, you know, he's he's, he's not indifferent to us in our suffering. He doesn't you know, like the Samaritan uh, doesn't walk past the man left and beaten by robbers on the road leading to Jericho. You know, he he's he stops, and that's what he does with us too. And he and he he's got compassion for us. And I think that's one of the things I I seek to 
grow in myself is an ability to respond to the suffering of others rather than be indifferent to it. You know, so often I think we we might want to protect our hearts and we build up walls and stuff. And and yet our Lord doesn't do that any more than Our Lady does. You know, like at Fatima, one of the one of the visionaries, what they saw was Mary's heart was bleeding. And you might think, well, they're in glory. Aren't they just kind of taking their ease up there in this great glory? And it's so joyful. But yet there's Mary grieving. Her heart is grieving. And so does the heart of Christ grieve, you know, for our suffering and the way the things people wander and go away from him, especially when they walk away from the Eucharist. I think his heart grieves, you know. I think that's interesting, Father Dan, that you say that because as we are in this Eucharistic revival, I mean, we want to really be able to recognize Christ's true presence and look at all the suffering in the world, look at all the war in the world. I mean, just go down the list of all of these atrocities and turning away from God. Isn't God's heart just aching, our Blessed Mother's heart aching to see their children um, turning away? And and yet right. we have a, a reason and a purpose to be like St. Anthony, like St. Francis, to proclaim the good news. Yeah, I mean, if you've ever experienced the indifference of someone, you know what that feels like. It's not, it's not comfortable. And I think we sometimes so dehumanize the glorified Christ that we believe him to be unmoved by our indifference to him in the Eucharist, when in fact it, it does affect him. He, he is, again, like I say, his heart does grieve. It does experience our, it responds to us in our misery and it suffers with us. And But it also suffers when we're indifferent to so great a love, you know, and that's what we find in the Eucharist is it's the sacrament of the love of Christ for each one of us. And sometimes we'll even absent ourselves from the Sunday Mass as though it doesn't matter. But it does matter to him. He, he experiences that. You know, it's like um, I like to say, if you've ever set an appointment with someone, for example, we had this appointment this morning. What, ha what would happen if I didn't show up? You know, you would wonder, well, where's Father Dan? Well, it's something like that with missing mass. Uh, God sets the appointment for us on Sunday. It's not Monday. It's not Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Sunday. He set He sets the appointment. And then when we don't go to mass, he's wondering, well, where are they? I set this appointment for us. They're not here. And I think we, we it's hard for us to believe it, but he actually does miss us when we don't show up because we have disappointment with him. And I think that's something that we lose sight of. But the Sacred Heart helps bring that home. He actually has a human heart that he received from the Blessed Mother in her womb. And that's still with him today. And, and it experiences the same things that we do um, as we go through life. Right. Well, and you just mentioned that connection between our Blessed Mother and our Lord, the two feast days, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart and Sacred Heart are connected side by side Friday and Saturday that we celebrate them. But it, it is, I think, amazing. Our Lord's heart came from the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, conceived through yeah. the Holy Spirit, but yet the blood pumping through that heart 
came from Mary. That's right. That's right. And, you know, um, you know, it's it's so remarkable to me, too, that even when when the apostles asked Jesus, you know, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them the Our Father. Well, in the Our Father, there's a level of obedience there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus, as a little boy, learned that from Joseph and Mary, that kind of obedience. You know, we learned that when they found him in the temple. And it tells us he went down with them and remained obedient to them. You know, he learned obedience from, from Mary, Joseph, obedience to the law and obedience to God. You know, we think, well, he was God. He didn't have to learn that. No, he did, because he was a boy. He was a human being like you and I are. And um, I think most boys at 12, if they got lost, the last place you would look for them is a church. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there's Jesus, you know, uh, and uh, even Mary and Joseph didn't think to look for him there. He's a, he's a little boy. I mean, that's what he was. Still, that level of obedience and discipleship that Jesus himself gave us in the Our Father, Mary taught that to him, you know. That's right. That's right. We're talking with Father Dan Petit during the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart. What are ways, Father Dan, that we could revitalize this devotion to the Sacred Heart? Again, certainly acknowledging the feast day coming up this this month, but but ways to really have this take uh, take a hold of us and revive our hearts. I'll tell you, the best way to do that is console the heart of Jesus by visiting the tabernacle. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have adoration. I mean, it's like, I know we kind of sometimes think that unless Jesus is out in the monstrance, we don't, we don't really want to spend time with him. But even to go in the tabernacle consoles his heart because you're acknowledging him there, this great love. You're receiving that love in his real presence and you're consoling him uh, because you're not remaining indifferent to him, but you're expressing your love for him by being there and giving him your time and 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 the like. So a lot of times in the church, we talk about in the parish, at least giving of our time, talent and treasure. And of course, maybe we emphasize treasure so much we forget. How about giving your time to Jesus in adoration before the tabernacle? That would be a revival of your heart as Jesus' sacred heart loves you and you're receiving it, you know, that that would be, and you're also consoling him at the same time by being there instead of neglecting him, you know. I think one of the most important things you've said, Father Dan, is God set appointment for us on Sunday at Mass, and when we don't show up, where are you? It's just like right. when God said to Adam, where are you? He knows where Adam is. He knows where we are, but he wants us in his presence. That's right. And that I think is part of the Eucharistic revival to desire to be for our desire to be number one in the presence of our Lord. Absolutely. And think that, as he said, when he instituted the sacrament of the Eucharist, I have longed to eat this supper with you. Now, that that is God speaking all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden because we, we were exiled from him. I have wanted to share this communion with you for millennia, and now it's happening. 
I mean, that's what he's saying, you know, and he wants to share Holy Communion with us. And that's the Eucharist, of course. Absolutely. Well, let's continue this Eucharistic revival and celebrate the the month of the Sacred Heart, Corpus Christi, and of course, the Feast of St. Anthony of Padua on the 13th of June. And with that, Father Dan, just great to spend some time with you today. Would you help us close with your prayer and blessing over our community? Sure. May the blessed mighty God descend upon you now and the Holy Spirit bless and sanctify you and then revive in you a love for Jesus, especially in the Eucharist. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan. Have a great month. Thank you. You too. And it is 8.52 at Mater Day Radio. David and Brenda with you on the Morning Blend. One of the ways you can support Mater Day Radio through our vehicle donation program. If you have an old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Mater Day Radio. Just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu, vehicle donation. All the information is right there. Really quick and easy and a likely tax deduction for you as well. Mater Dei Radio's vehicle donation program on our website at materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. This is Father Thomas Nathy, the pastor of Holy Redeemer Parish in Vancouver, Washington. Let us pray the prayer for peace by St. Therese of Lisieux. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, eternal priest, keep your priests within the shelter of your sacred heart, where none may touch them. Keep unstained their anointed hands, which daily touch your sacred body. Keep unsullied their lips, daily purpled with your precious blood. Keep pure and unearthly their hearts, sealed with the sublime mark of the priesthood. Let your holy love surround them and shield them from the world's contagion. Bless their labors with abundant fruit, and may the souls to whom they minister be their joy and consolation here and in heaven their beautiful and everlasting crown. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mater Day Radio is supported by our Leadership Circle members, including Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services. Operated by the Archdiocese of Portland, services include the recently completed Gethsemane Funeral Home, located on the grounds of Gethsemane Cemetery in Happy Valley. The new funeral home provides burial services to the Catholic community, regardless of cemetery choice. For more information, visit ccpdxor.com. What's your next mission from God? You do have one. We all do. God has something in mind for us right where we are. This is Julie Anderko. Please join me on Your Next Mission from God, where the saints show us just how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Listen to Your Next Mission from God, Saturday mornings at 7.15 and Sunday mornings at 8.15, right here on the bridge between your faith and everyday life, Mater Day Radio. The Morning Blend, two hours a day for two times the fun. 
on Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is 8.56 at Mater Day Radio. One last look at your forecast today. Partly sunny skies, high of 78. Mostly cloudy tonight, low of 56. And then mostly cloudy for Friday, even cooler, 76. Saturday, though, starts to heat back up with sunny skies and 80 degrees. 87 on Sunday. Currently 58 degrees in the Rose City. Closing out our show today, we got Tasha Layton, Love Lifting Me. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. When I think of those times I'm hurting, I see you, cause you're there too. And every pain I feel you healing, is so you'll see, my heart running. is Tasha Layton and Love Lifting Me. It is 8.59 at Mater Day Radio. 
Hey, thank you so much for joining the Morning Blend on this Thursday. Can you believe it? Friday, tomorrow already, just like that. Moving through the week already. Zipping right through the week. But again, we appreciate it. Big show tomorrow. I love Friday shows. I do too. We're just ready for the weekend, (laughs) so we're ready to have a great show. So tune in tomorrow for sure. That is going to wrap it up for us on The Morning Blend. You can live with passion with Father Cedric this evening at 7.30. Of course, we've got great Catholic broadcasting all day long. So keep it right here at Monster Day Radio. Have a very blessed day.